Okay, so we had an epic time last night, and we want to continue along those lines. So, Revival Weekend is about stepping out. It's about trusting God to do a miracle on the inside of us. And I felt the Lord say to me, I must first do a deep work in you before I can do a great work through you. And so, you know, as a pastor, you often get distracted and, you know, worried about people and issues and things. And where's that one? We do notice when you're gone. <laughs> uh, sometimes I curse almost. Um, but I feel God is saying to me, just go deeper. Just go deeper into God. Just go deeper into Christ. The, the key is not, is not to worry about people. Obviously, yes, we do, and we care for people. We, we, we reach out to people. We follow up with people. We go to their homes sometimes. We, do, you know, we, we reach out, yes. But I feel the Lord is saying to me, the key for everything that I know that's on my heart, for, what, for God to do something in East London, is we must just go deeper into Him. That's it. So let's say it. Let's go deeper. Amen. And, that, and that's the challenge for all of us. Life distracts us. Things distract us. The world distracts us and keeps us away from Jesus. I don't know about you, but I, I will die if we are a church of a thousand or even ten thousand people, but Jesus isn't present. There are many massive churches, but Jesus isn't in sight. They talk about him, but people don't experience him. They're not alive. They haven't awakened. And I often meet such people. They go to church, they go through the motions, they go through the things, but the Bible is dead to them. Their relationship with Christ is boring and it's not alive. And so, revival is about God awakening us on the inside, stirring our hearts, our love for Him, our love for His Word, our love to know Him. And surely Christianity must go beyond the religious things, the doing of things, it must be encountering Him. Amen. Who wants to encounter God? Oh, that's my absolute passion. Every time I, I see a greater glimpse of Him, I am changed. And so today we're going to trust that people's hearts are going to be touched. At the end of the service, we're going to pray for people, specific people. We want to pray for... If you're in school, we want to pray for you, all the high school young people. Prepare yourself, all the primary school, we're going to pray for you. We're going to trust God to touch you. And also we felt we need to pray for all the moms in the house with the little babies. So moms, we're going to pray for you. You never get someone to pray for you. You're always there in the back screaming with a child. So pass the child over to dad. And uh, this morning we want to pray for all the mommies with the little babies. We want to trust that God's going to restore your heart give you new life. Amen. Let's say it. God is moving. Amen. The last month, I have never seen so many God encounters with people. Even last night, the amount of people that encountered God and went to the floor, I haven't seen that before in our services here. And so God is, God is wanting to. And then you ask people, what do you feel? <sighs> I feel changed. I feel new, some say. One of the guys a few weeks ago uh, in Southernwood, he came to the Lord three weeks ago and, and he WhatsApped me later that evening and he said, Pastor, I feel like a new man. Because when we prayed for him and the power of God hit him. 
and he went down under the power of the Spirit, and he changed him. We don't push people. We just touch them. It's amazing. I've been doing the same thing for 15 years. Something's different. Something's different. God is moving. God is moving. God is here right now. God is here right now. Revival flows from the cross. I shared about that last night. Revival flows from the presence of God. That's what I'm sharing about this morning. Tonight I'm sharing about revival flows forth from changed hearts. From changed hearts. And so we must become more aware of Him who is with us. We must become aware. We must be like, God, you're here. I sense you. I know this sounds weird, but on Wednesday I was sitting in my chair at my computer and suddenly I felt someone walk past me, but I was like, Whew. there was no one. But I felt the presence of God. I felt... God was there, here. And a week or two ago, I felt the Lord say to me, you're not alone. Why do you live as if you're alone? Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But so many of us live in that space that's just little old me on my own. Nothing's working. (laughs) But when we become aware of Him, things change. You see, when God is present, the kingdom comes. The kingdom comes when he is present. But for that, it's like every heart needs to catch fire. And as every heart catches fire, it becomes a bonfire. Amen. Let's say bonfire. It's growing. Amen. I want to put the slide up just across. What does that represent? I spoke about this last night. That represents 2,000 years ago. It was a symbol of death. It was a source of death. It brought terror to people. The Roman Empire used it to crucify, to kill. A reign of terror. Then Jesus came and he died on that cross and he transformed it into a symbol of life. A symbol of hope. But more than that, a source of life. When Jesus died on that cross, he overcame every fear. He overcame every sickness. He overcame every evil. He overcame every wickedness on that cross. When he said it is finished, sin dealt with, evil dealt with, fear dealt with, lack dealt with. Jesus even overcame death. When he rose on the third day, he overcame death. Amen. But you see, that will just remain empty theory if we don't get a revelation of what Jesus did for us. But beyond that, if He isn't present, if the Holy Spirit isn't present, it's just history. So what? But when the Holy Spirit is present, it's like the Holy Spirit's the hand of God. And He takes that victory of the cross and He brings it into our midst and He releases it over us. He infuses our being. Where you stand like... I'm free, I'm washed, I'm cleansed, I'm I'm healed, I'm set free. The Holy Spirit, God with us, releases that victory. And revival begins with just one of us. But when that fire starts spreading into a community, into a city, then you have a real revival. Amen. Let's say revival is coming. Let's say revival is here.
Amen. One heart that comes to life, one heart that comes to life this morning is like revival has come to you. So let's say revival is coming to me. Amen. Amen. I'm I'm wanting to say it because I want to activate your faith. I want to activate your faith. You need to put the word in your mouth because faith connects us with the power of God. So there's a quote here. It says, the birth of Christ brought God to man, but the cross of Christ brought man to God. The cross of Christ opened the way for us into his presence, into his presence. You know, (laughs) there's nothing like his presence. (laughs) It is mind-blowing, mind-boggling, beyond anything this world can offer you when you experience him. If God is alive, surely we should experience him. If God is alive, surely we should hear his voice. And so in Ezekiel 37, a picture of revival. Ezekiel 37, it's the dry bones. Look at this verse. Ezekiel 37. It says, the hand of the Lord came upon me. This is Ezekiel the prophet. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. And set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Isn't that amazing? So the Holy Spirit comes upon the prophet, lifts him up, and where does he take him? To the couch? To the TV? To the restaurant? To comfort? To the beach? He takes him to the valley of bones. You see, when the Holy Spirit grips our hearts, he, he, he leads us to where there's death. So that we can release life. So there was a valley of dry bones. It was just death and slaughter. And then God asks Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones live? So that God is looking for a partnership. He's waiting for someone. Do you believe? I've now led you to that place of death. Whether it be your workplace. Whether it be your community. Whether it be your friend or family. There's areas of death like dry bones. I want to say much of the church of Jesus Christ is like dry bones. We've lost the fire. We must get it back. We must get it back. And so the Spirit of God takes Ezekiel and takes him to that place of death so that the death can be transformed into a mighty army. So that's what God wants to do. He wants to raise up a mighty army from where there is death. The power of the cross changes death into life. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so when the Holy Spirit grips your heart and my heart, He will lead us to those in darkness. He will lead us to those in, who needs the living God. So I want to show you that I, I sent this email out to, about Marcelo, a guy we prayed for in Brazil. Just show the photo there. This is be such a beautiful picture of the cross of Christ. So this man who didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Quite amazing. The, the guy sitting to the left of him there, he is, the guy on the right is the Apostle Ari's son, Tiago, amazing worship leader, very anointed man. And so he went to have his hair cut. The guy on the left is his barber. <laughs> and so Tiago tells his barber of everything God is doing. You won't believe God is moving. God is healing and changing and saving. And he was sharing the story. And then the barber said, I know a guy. He's dying of cancer, pancreatic cancer. 
could we bring him? And so they brought him to us. And so the one morning we were praying for him. His eyes were yellow. His skin was yellow. He was, he was, he was a police officer. Had a really, really challenging life. A rough, rough life. Didn't know Jesus. And so we were praying for him. And we, ah, the, again, the presence of God was there. You see, when the presence of God comes, everything that's not of God must go. Whatever it might be. Fear, sickness, evil, it must go. And so we prayed for him and he, he, we, I told him to get up, walk. And he was walking up and down. And he, I feel better. You know, he was very weak, very, very, very weak. And he said, I really feel better. And, and then I, we started to prophesy. The team started to prophesy over him the things that he's going to do. Of testifying to the to people of, of what God has done for him. I'm like thinking, oh God, I hope this is you speaking because <laughs> this man's dying. Okay, tell them in heaven or something, you know. <laughs> and then I recently, it was so beautiful for me, the Tiago, the pastor, he WhatsApp me and say, you won't believe it. Five biopsies, couldn't find the cancer, the doctors can't believe it. Praise Jesus. Let's give Jesus a hand. Come on. That's our God. Jesus heals. Jesus heals. But that's the power of the cross. So this man, and we led him to Jesus, which is the ultimate one. We led him to Christ. So even as his cancer disappeared, his sin is washed away. Oh, that's beautiful. Our God is moving. And I've experienced that over these three services, I'm sharing about our experiences in other countries because I know the way God has moved in other places. He wants to bring it here. He wants to do it here. It's just we must just become thirsty, hungry for Him, on fire for more of God. This is the God. This is the God who is with us. When His presence comes, everything contrary to Him must go. So at the end of the service, we're going to trust the Lord to touch every one of us. Amen. To awaken us, to stir our hearts, to light a fire. Life only begins to make sense when you are on fire for Jesus Christ. It's the only time life makes truly sense. Everything else is empty, boring, dry. And if you think other things are exciting, you have not encountered the living God. I think I'm a bit of a drug addict. I have tasted the drug from heaven, and nothing else is doing it. I just want more, more of Him. Let's say, more of Him. I want more of Him. Amen. And so, it was amazing what the Lord has been doing. So now, I shared this previously, but now, I'm, now it's official. In this past week, or was it last week, they got back to us from Brazil, the pastor in the church in Manau, church of 8,000 people. We are going to go minister at a church of 8,000 people. We're going to do a revival conference like we did in Rio. So I'm like, Jesus help me. And I'm asking the question, God, well, who am I? We're a small church compared to 8,000. So I'm asking God, what qualifies us to go? What qualifies us to, to not make a complete fool of ourselves? What qualifies us to step out there? And, 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 and so I was wrestling with this. Where, what, where does my confidence come from? And I, I was reading this, this scripture. Moses. He went through the same thing. Just worse. 
So Moses is in the desert for 40 years. God appears to a burning bush. He had a God encounter. And God speaks from the fire and he says, Moses, I want to send you to Egypt to go face Pharaoh. I want you to go. I want you to come and take my people out. Set my people free. And then Moses asked the question, God, but uh, who am I? Who am I to go? Who am I to do this? Who am I? I just got a few sheep. Who am I? Look at this verse. Exodus 3. God speaks to Moses and says, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh. It's like, come now. God's almost saying, I'm going. Are you coming? I need a man. I need someone that will take my presence. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? Say, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh. And that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And so God said, he said, I will certainly be with you. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, Moses, all you need is me. I will certainly be with you. I know this is the mission. This is the heart's cry of God. I want to be with you. So beautiful. I heard someone speak about this. And they, they just broke it open so beautifully. Yes, God was saying, I'm going to be with you. But Moses was saying, God, who am I? Who am I? And God gave the answer. You're the man I want to be with. You're the man I want to be with. Look at, look at the rest of the book of Exodus and later on. God loved to be with Moses. Imagine for a moment God would say that of us. I love your heart. I love how you seek me. I love your obedience. I love it that you despise sin and wickedness. And you love purity and holiness. I love to be with you. Imagine, imagine God would say that to us as a congregation. I love to be with you. The way you honor me. The way that you, you unashamedly tell people, even when they laugh at you, Jesus is alive. This is what he's done for me. Imagine God would say this of us, and this is my mission. This is my personal mission. God, I, want, I just want you to love being with me. I want you to love being with me. I want you to love being in this church. Amen. Who am I? Who are you? You are nothing. Me. We are nothing if he isn't with us. We have no identity. We have no meaning. We have no reason for existence. We come alive when we catch fire for Him and for His kingdom. Who am I? I am the one that God wants to be with. Who are you? You are the man, the woman who God wants to be with. But for that, something must happen on the inside. If it hasn't happened already, something must happen, a shift. God, I love you. I want to be with you. That's my desire. Amen. Imagine. I believe God's going to say that of us. I'd love to be with you. i love to be with you. God wants to be present. So about a year ago, I'm just recapping something. for the, You might have heard this. You read my book. It's in there. 
But about a year ago, before we went to Argentina, I, I received a, like we were praying as a team, and I saw a vision of Jerusalem and the gates, and I saw a donkey walking. You know the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem and, and the procession. Everybody was celebrating with palm branches. It was, it was God entering a city. And, uh, but in this vision, I only saw the donkey. I didn't see Jesus. And I was like, oh God, what are, what are you saying? And I just heard God say, this is my church. This is my church. They might be celebrating. They might be singing loudly. They might be going through the motions. But I am not present. He wants to be present. He wants to say, you are the man that I want to be with. You are the woman that I want to be with. You are the church that I want to be with. May it be that East London may be the church in the nations of the earth where God says, I want to be in East London. I really feel God has got a special place in his heart for East London. (sighs) Maybe I'm not completely objective, but it's okay. (laughs) But God has a plan for this city. And it begins with you and me, a fire in our hearts, saying, God, we desire you to be here. And, uh, and so we become donkeys, just nobodies without him. And so we went to Argentina in April last year, and, and we just had amazing, amazing meetings. And I want to share these because I believe God's going to do the same here and more. I want to increase your faith. I want to encourage you. Because I, I was thinking back, we're a team of seven people. We didn't fast enough. We didn't pray enough. We didn't do enough. Early only, I mean, we were just like, we're going to step out. And so the first night, there were 45 leaders of this church, about 300 people. And I just felt preach on healing. And we were all like, afterwards, the team was saying like, when you stay to us now, go pray for them. We were like freaked out. It was like, crisis. So the team, we started to pray for people, and God moved. 16 or 17 out of the 45 people came to testify at the end that they were healed. The senior pastor's knee was badly damaged. He was jumping like a child. I'm saying, stop it, you're going to break something. You know, he injured his knee, could not do that. So just one of the things that happened, and ladies from America's back, many years, many operations, etc., etc. Just God was touching. I was like... What happened? And then, and, and, and so I, I feel there's a, sov- there's a sovereignty to sometimes God just moves. But He's waiting for a people that can handle that, are hungry for that, thirsty for more of Him. You see, what happens is you have your experience, and then you have what the Word of God says your expectation. The Word of God says God heals. The Word of God says that our God is alive and powerful and able and with us. Our experience says, I'm not so sure. And what happens is we lower our theology to our experience. And we shouldn't. So yes, you have not experienced God move powerfully in your life the last month. But He wants to. You must just keep your theology there. And that's what we're doing. Jesus, you heal. So I just stick out my hand and when nothing happens, like, well, okay, let's continue. Let's ask God for more. I've been praying for a young man in hospital, been in ICU for a month. 
And they took out the pipe so I could not speak to him. So I went to pray for him. He had a stroke on the one side. And just young man, 21, 22. And we just had a good chat and prayed for him. And I was praying for him for the Holy Spirit to touch him. He felt a fiery heat here on his chest. And he couldn't really lift his hands and arms or his legs. And I prayed for him. I said, come on, taste it, taste it. I kicked out his leg and he lifted. I said, whoa, I couldn't do that before. But I've been there a few times. And I know as I continue praying, I'm going to love him more. And more of God's going to come. Amen. Jesus heals. And the Lord gave me a prophetic word for him. And I believe God's going to raise him up. He's going to walk. He's going to walk. So I'll give you feedback in a little bit. Don't drop your expectation because of your experience. Don't come to church and say, well, last week was like so. Come every Sunday. Jesus, this is what we are experiencing. This is what we are trusting you for. This is our expectation. I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to draw it out of you. Amen. So I want to read this about the donkeys. Matthew 21, verse 1 to 3. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and at the Mount of Olives, Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them. Bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. Isn't that fascinating? God has need of donkeys. Just say it, I'm a donkey. This is profound. God is looking for ordinary people. He's not looking for the the amazing. He's looking for the ordinary. He's looking for the nobodies. He's, he's, He's sending his servants to go and look for the ordinary. The donkeys, the nobodies who's just standing there. Don't want to do it because it'll be a long day today. Just life. Just existing until the Lord calls you. Say, come. Come. I have this prophetic word over my life. The first prophetic word I ever received in 1996. It's a guy from the Ukraine prophesied this over me while weeping. The compassion of God was all over him. And he just said, people are going to look at you and they're going to see, they're going to say, but he's so ordinary. How is this possible? I think that's so profound. You see, I don't want to be glorified. I want to glorify Jesus. It freaks me out when I look at ministers, international ministers, and it's just like they're being worshipped. And they're taking all the glory for themselves. And then you read the Apostle Paul's letters in 2 Corinthians 12. And then he, was, he, had, to, he had to give legitimacy to who he is do you know what he did? You must go read 2 Corinthians 12. He goes through the lists of how much punishment he's experienced, how much pain, how much stripes, how much beatings, how much shipwrecks, in fastings often, and fears and tears. And he's saying, this is the, I have paid a price for the gospel. Then he goes on and he says, guys, I don't want you to think more of me than you should. I don't want you. So he says, I know of a guy that once went to heaven. And saw inexpressible things. Obviously we know it's him. But he said, I don't want you to think I am amazing. And then later on, 
He says, I'd rather boast in my weaknesses, I'd rather boast in my infirmities, I'd rather boast in all my issues. <laughs> so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then it goes on and then it says, and the signs of an apostle, signs and wonders were done in your midst. Yes, so by the way. Isn't that amazing? I'm thinking, Paul, you could have had a big church, brother. Now you're sitting in prison. Alone. You see, God's ways are not our ways. But there must be something in us that says, I am ordinary. Christ is glorious. He is glorious. He is the one that does it. He's the one that enables us to get up in the morning. He is the one that puts the fire in our hearts. He is the one that helps us to say no to temptation. He is the one that helps us to love our spouses or our friends. It's all you, Jesus. And may we never get confused by who it is. God is looking for donkeys. Just for ordinary people, but a type of donkey says, I want to be with you. I love being with you. I love being with you. Hallelujah. God is here. God is here. God is here. God wants to touch us today. My question to you, to every one of us, have you learned to love? Have you experienced the compassion of Jesus Christ? Because that unlocks the presence of God like nothing else. Every time the compassion of Christ hits my heart, it wrecks me. <laughs> so I was thinking now, in Argentina last year, we had these open-air meetings. I'm not sharing these things. And I said, I'm a donkey. It's not me. It's the grace of God. But there were like 400 people in each of these open-air meetings, public square meetings. 400 plus people. They did a passion play. I preached short message, altar call. And about 70% of those people came forward. Some people were falling over under the power of the Spirit. I think Rion led a lady, 89-year-old lady, to, to the Lord Catholic lady for the first time. I mean, wow, isn't that amazing? 89 years. Other people were touched by the power and the presence of God. Both nights, like 60-70% of those 400 people came forward. God was saving and healing, delivering. It was amazing. But you know, there's one thing that stuck with me. Was this little boy I prayed for. Four-year-old little boy. Who couldn't walk. So... I spent a long time praying for this boy. And his mom was crying. And I held this little boy. And we prayed in Jesus' name. And then he would look at me and he'd say, I can walk. And then he'd try and he doesn't. And we prayed for a long time. Oh, it broke my heart. I was like, Jesus, if you were here, this boy would walk. You should have seen his eyes. Beautiful gorgeous little boy and he's not walking and I remember after that night going away I was in the car on the one I was laughing thank you Jesus saving touching changing and then I was weeping profusely Jesus if you were here he'd walk he'd walk and the next day I was the compassion of Christ was all over me and I had this God encounter and the Lord unlocked just the next level of him but if until we break for those who don't know him, for those who are like that in physical pain, until, until we experience the love of Christ, we will not know his presence. Because the compassion takes us through the veil. It takes us through every obstacle. It takes us through every block. You know, people might say, oh, healing, healing, healing. You're obsessed with healing. I tell you how many times we cry with people. 
who are desperate and they're not getting sorted. Compassion. Compassion. My prayer is, God, give us compassion. Give us new hearts. Give us a new heart. Let's pray that. Say, Father God, give us compassion. Give us your heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. And then we're going we're to break out. We're going to break out. And so then verse 4, I'm almost finished. This, all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of, the donkey, of a donkey. So they, the prophecy said, Go tell Israel, go tell Jerusalem, your king is coming. Let's say it to East London. Say, East London, your king is coming. Say it again, your king is coming. In Jesus' name. Amen. So there's something powerful, but he comes on the donkey, the nobodies, the ordinary, those who know they are nothing, those who know they are ordinary, yet they love God with all their hearts. Sold out. Let's say it, I'm going to be sold out. Amen. For Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 13, you know, the chapter of love. Every wedding. Love. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Do you know that chapter 12 and chapter 14, what that's about? It's about the power of God. It's about prophecy, the gifts. And the heart is love. It unlocks the rest. And then I just want to just, I'm not going to read it or go through the whole next verse, but verse 10 of that same chapter, and it says, when Jesus now was on this donkey, and this was massive procession, and then it says, and when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. You see, when we are without God, we're like a donkey going for a walk, or just standing and eating. But when God is with us, then it's a God invading a city. Amen. Let's say it. God is invading the city. Amen. He is. He is. You know, and that donkey, as the donkey's walking, you can think it's the people that's cheering for him. It's not. Cheering for Jesus. Cheering for Jesus. So I want to, I asked Rosalda to come and share her testimony. Storming out from the baby room. That is definitely the place of peace to come and share your story. Roselda, hello, she's coming. I asked her to share her story because this, for me, speaks of the cross, taking our worst and making something beautiful from it. I also wanted to share this because some of us have been through stuff and it's still holding us away from God. So I'm trusting this morning that hearts will be healed. Let's give her a hand. Good morning. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Rizalda. And I stand here before you today not because I have a terrible story, but because I'm a conqueror in Christ who overcame. Um, and I feel honored to share my story with you. Um, so I was brought up in a very stable home with very loving um, parents with very good intentions. Um, but inevitably, Hurt came over my life. Sorry, I'm a bit out of breath. My baby was crying. <laughs> I was running for it. 
Um, yeah, inevitably, hurts came over my life. Um, my Oma died when I was four years old, and um, my my dad and his siblings sort of decided they're going to not let my opa live on his own, but sort of split the year in three, and so he lived with us for a third of every year since then. And um, it was all very exciting. And, um, my opa was a very fun guy, and he used to teach us about gardening and make these ama- amazing gardens, and it was just very exciting. But um, we used to my, my brothers and I used to take turns to share a bed with my grandfather and at night he became a different man and it so happened that after the first few weeks he started molesting me um, on and off it wasn't always but it happened every now and again and um, at first well, I, I, obviously I didn't know it was wrong I was four years old and I thought okay he's an adult he obviously knows what he's doing and um, it didn't bother me particularly. Um, but later on, I started not being so amped for my turn to share a bed with Opa. So I started giving up my turns. And um, um, it was definitely, obviously, it, I didn't make the link, but it was making me feel uncomfortable and fearful and disgusted and impure and feelings of guilt. I, I, I was feeling it the whole time as a little girl, but I didn't make the link that it was this that was happening because of this. Um, later on, it, it started happening less and less, but the enemy is one in the sense that fear took hold of my heart. I was in fear the whole time, like, we're alone at home, maybe it will happen, or maybe you'll come to my bed or at night. And so even though it didn't happen that much anymore at that time, I was still, yeah, fear was ruling my heart. Um, It kept tormenting me. And my high school years might have seemed normal for all around me, but emotionally it was a very dark and fearful time. I was full of self-pity, and there were so many lies that I myself didn't know what was true and what was, wasn't true anymore. It was just very dark. And I was, I was obsessed with running away from home. I kept, like, obsessing about it and obsessed with death and suicide. And obviously, as all of you might know, none of these are fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> so in retrospect, it was definitely... Um, it had demonic roots, obviously. Um, then there were two things that happened that changed it all for me. The one was we were at a school camp and there was a lady that just prayed for me. She sort of came to me and took me to a separate room and she was praying for me. And the power of God just fell on me and I fell in the spirit as she rebuked the spirit of death in my life. And I woke up with a lot of darkness that is left, like all of that yeah, the demonic powers left was had left me, and there was yeah. I still had a lot of emotional pain and fear, um, but that darkness had left me. So through it all, I kept praying desperately for my pain and my pain and my pain. God, take away my pain, take away this. And God grabbed in one night, and He gave me. 
he did two things. He first gave me a verse. It was a verse out of Isaiah. And basically the verse gave me hope. Like that's what he did through the verse. He gave me a promise. And it was, there was light in the promise. And it was a promise of change. And that he will heal me completely. So I grabbed hold of that, that promise. And, and I kept praying. And I was like, okay, God, how are you going to do this? And then God touched me and he, he changed my heart. Like in that moment he told me, and this is what changed it, it all for me. Like in that moment he just told me, stop focusing on your pain and start focusing on my love. Start focusing on the pain that I went through for you and stop focusing on your own pain. It's not about you. It's about me. And in that moment he gave me the grace to just grab onto it because it, it was obviously the perfect time to, to hear that. And um, it was that simple. I was, I was convicted and I shifted my focus and I was uh, filled with a nonsensical peace and uh, overwhelming joy and, and a very enjoyable light. And it, it drove out all fear and it drove out all, all pain. Like, since that moment, I've never experienced pain again because of this. I, I still think fondly of my grandfather, um, who died when I was 16 years old, by the way. And I have fond memories of him, and I can speak to with my family in a loving sense about him and not, like, have dark feelings about it in my heart and see, like, think, like, he actually don't know who, I wa- who he was because, yeah. And um, by the grace of God as well, I never went through the whole, God, why did this happen to me? Why did you do this to me thing? Because God gave me the revelation from very early on that he has given a decision to, to all people on earth. And that was my grandfather's decision. But he's also giving me a decision on how to handle it and whether it, it's going to be part of my life or not. So luckily I never went through that offense against God. Um, and today I'm thankful for what had happened to me. Because it, it gave me a desperacy for God, which I wouldn't have had otherwise. It, it's as if God had, it had dug a hole in me and it, it had emptied me out so that God could fill me up with even more than, than what was possible if it hadn't had hap- didn't happen to me. So in a sense, I'm so thankful that it happened to me and I wouldn't wish it away. It's, it's part of my story and I like it there. And it's because I've conquered it. Like it used to be a burglar in the house, but it's now a trophy that I conquered. And it's a testimony. And yeah, I just want to praise God for giving me beauty for my ashes. Thank you. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that the power of God? She had a touch from the Lord. They removed that bitterness, that pain, and shifted her to him. You see, we need that. If, that wasn't, if she didn't have that God encounter, I don't know where she would be today. Bitter, maybe far away from God. So I want to encourage you, if you've been through things that haven't been dealt with, look away from your pain and look to him. Amen. This last thing I want to share. I was in, uh, in Brazil, we were in the worship meeting, and I felt the Holy Spirit ask me this question. I was reminded of the scripture that says, 
that he who believes in Christ will do the same works and even greater. And the Lord asked me, do you know how you can do greater works than Christ? When I felt God like, asked me, do you want to know? I said, yes, <laughs> I want to know. I, do. I mean, just doing the same works as Jesus is phenomenal. I mean, that's amazing. But to do greater works. And the Lord said to me, community. The power of community. You see, when Jesus walked on the earth, he was alone. He was one man filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. His disciples left him in Gethsemane. They were sleeping. They were useless. But in the book of Acts, there was a whole community on fire with the Holy Spirit. And I believe this is the key. It's not about one man, one woman doing their own thing. It's about a community of believers on fire for Christ. A community of believers loving one another, caring for one another, standing together. Then I believe we will see greater works than even Jesus did. Amen. Greater works. And the last verse. Jeremiah 2 verse 11. It says, Has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. The glory speaks of God's presence. My people have changed his presence for what does not profit. Then it says, be astonished, O heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid, be very desolate. In other words, heavens, be closed. Because the people of God, the church of Christ, they have, we've surrendered, we have forsaken the presence of God for other things, not even bad things, just even good things, replacing a passion for God's presence. And says, be astonished. Why? Because there are so many believers even who have exchanged the living God for the dunghill. Stuff that doesn't satisfy. And then the last bit here, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. Hear the hearts cry. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. They have forsaken me, the living waters. So I, today is a calling back to the living waters. A calling back to God. I want to be that man, that woman that you want to be with. That man, that woman that lives in purity and holiness. That man or woman that has dealt with my pain from the past. I have forgiven. I have been restored. Nothing will keep me away from you. You see, sometimes our pain becomes a block between us and God. Then we forsake the living waters and we walk away. So God's calling us back. Let's return. That's as simple as that. God, forgive me. I've been looking, going for the wrong things. I want to turn to you today. Amen. And we will see greater works. Greater works in this city. Greater things are yet to come. Amen.